welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Jeff Macalino Podcast. Uh, this is a long one, so I'm going to try to keep the intro short, but I've got to say there's a bunch of things I'm too excited about to wait till the end. Uh, one is a new partner we've got here at the podcast, Flaviar. Listen, drinking spirits, I know this, they're expensive. Instead of dropping bank on a bottle you're not sure you'll absolutely love, you can expand your palate with Flaviar's ever-growing collection of spirits. This members club curates an extensive collection that's complete with everything from the big brand classics to offerings from smaller craft distillers with personalized recommendations based on your current likes and dislikes and one complimentary tasting box every quarter. Their selection eclipses what you'll find at local liquor stores and bars totaling thousands, all of which are documented in the Flaviar app along with visualized tasting notes. Members also get special pricing Pricing and shipping is free on everything. So when you stumble on a bottle, you need more of it. It'll arrive right to your door. Click the link in the show notes below next to the big bold letters that say Flaviar. Sign up. Uh, you'll get a deal by clicking that link. And I'll get a deal by you clicking that link. Help me afford my drinking habit. Flaviar. All right. Uh, exciting, exciting week for me. Uh, a lot of, uh, work, uh, getting done. Um, I'm, I'm currently, uh, recording an audio book. I'm helping to film a documentary slash, uh, maybe narrate. Uh, I've got my YouTube channel, which is banging a lot of new subscribers there. Thanks. If you haven't subscribed yet, go do that now, jerk. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I do a lot of coverage for, for that sports website I've mentioned, FL Teams. Uh, and, uh, I, have had the pleasure of doing post-game reaction videos about five minutes after every lightning playoff game. Uh, the lightning just beat the stinking New York Rangers in the Eastern conference final to go to their third straight Stanley cup. But, uh, the first two games of that series, the Rangers won and I was getting slammed on YouTube comments, uh, by Rangers fans. Uh, the lightning then went on to win the next four games. Uh, I got a little bit snarky after game five and six reaction video. Uh, Lightning fans loved it. Uh, Rangers fans did not. Check those out. They're on FL Team's YouTube page. Also, uh, just earlier, I made a nice video going through all those mean YouTube comments towards me that were all well-deserved, all in good fun. Um, but, you know, I may have called them out on some of uh, their trash talk that bit them in the ass. That's why you talk trash when the game's over, not before. That's my thought. Anywho, check that all out. That's uh, FL Teams on uh, YouTube, and uh, give them a subscription as well. I also had a reaction video of James and I watching uh, the clock tick down there in the Lightning Clinch, the Eastern Conference Finals. Anyways, that's on my YouTube channel, so check that out. Anyway, speaking of James... Uh, not really in any way related, but just an awkward segue. Uh, today's guest is James Wisdom. Uh, James and I talk about a lot of things, and 
I don't want to say it's political because I don't feel like it is, even though a lot of the topics we talk about, uh, frankly, are, are hot topic political discussion. Um, but I will say there's an awful lot of laughs in there as well. Um, we talk about a wide range of things from abortion to race to Wally to tattoos. Um, you know, we talk about the silent scream that vegetables have. Um, you'll, you'll get it in context, hopefully. Uh, anyways, give it a listen. Uh, I loved the thing I liked the most. I think James and I come from different, I don't want to say ends of the spectrum because I don't think that's accurate, but I think on a lot of issues, I don't know that we necessarily agree, but I found it very encouraging how peaceful and calm our conversation went. Um, and I mean, that's, that was in no way, uh, well, at least on my part, if, if he was faking it, you know, he, he's really good. Uh, but I don't think so. Uh, I think it was just genuine conversation. Uh, we didn't need to agree with each other on everything, uh, but it was certainly a, a polite and cordial conversation. And uh, we found some interesting middle ground in certain things. I don't know if that's the right word either. Anyways, give it a listen. Let me know what you think. Um, it's a good podcast, me and James Wisdom. Um, I am exhausted, so hopefully, uh, everything comes out well with this. I've, I've been sober for, uh, for a whole week. Um, not just, just because trying to lose weight, not because I'm giving up booze. I'll be back on the booze wagon as you listen to this podcast. Um, however, uh, I'm just trying to take a week off here and there, you know, especially when I obviously have the children, not even have a, a drink or two at nighttime, but boy, it is hard to fall asleep when, when I'm sober. I don't know how you people do it. Uh, I don't recommend going just going to bed sober, um, mainly because I, I have uncontrollably vivid dreams in the, you know, after the hours of battling to go to sleep. When I do finally get some shut eye, those dreams, whew, they're crazy. Anywho, uh, hey. Speaking of taking care of yourself, again, I don't know if that's a good segue, uh, but guys, this uh, this podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Geology. This is the award-winning men's skincare company that formulates customized skincare routines just for you, using a handful of powerful proven ingredients that have been trusted by dermatologists for decades. Uh, whatever you suffer from, or if you just want to look young for longer, Go on Geology, take their 30-second diagnostic quiz. Their team of dermatologists will design and ship a regimen directly to your door. It's very simple. Uh, start today. My recommendation is the trial of their main four products. They have their everyday face wash, vital morning face cream, repairing night cream, and nourishing eye cream. Head to Geology and use the link below to get a discount and help you have better skin and help me help you. Yeah, by clicking the link in the show notes. Do that now. And also remember to, uh, you know, get your booze and uh, get that through Flaviar. All right. I'll see you on the flip side. Enjoy this podcast. Here's me with James Wisdom. All right, everybody. <laughs> I am very pleased to welcome James Wisdom to the Jeff Macalino podcast. James, how are you, man? I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm a, Day two off my sobriety because I had the flu last week, so okay. I, might get, I might get a little sloppy here today. <laughs> no, you deserve it if you're, you know, if you're like you're on the you're on the up and up, and you're, you know what I mean. You're, yeah, have, have a good time. 
Yeah. Well, people people uh, have forgotten. I think COVID is is partially to blame. People have forgotten how bad like the flu is. <laughs> like I, I had COVID at least once, maybe twice, and it was like, oh, I got a nice night's sleep for once. That was great. I'll take COVID again anytime it wants to come around. Uh, I know not everybody has that, but you know there was such a varying reaction where the flu, no matter who you are, it kicks your ass. <laughs> No, I think that's true. And, and, you know, it, it definitely has, you know, it was devastating for so many centuries of human history. Right. And it took a lot of effort and science for us to kind of get into a position where the flu is like a very common thing and something very survivable. I believe that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get there with COVID, but I think we got to work together on this matter. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it was a problem since pretty much day one, because, you know, I, I don't know who to blame, probably both sides, but it became such a yes. political thing yes. that it was like, wait, why you, you shouldn't have stances on a on a disease based upon your political. Views. That's so that's so insightful. And I think it's so true. Um, and it was like it's like we can't do the simple reasonable requests right because it goes against our politics for some reason you know there's there are reasonable prohibitions and restrictions that you know that you could follow but it goes against your politics but then again it's like there are unreasonable things that are being asked as well and so just because it is for your politics doesn't mean that you should you know that you have to like uh you know uh uh, uh you know oppress people you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think it becomes a tool. It easily becomes a tool like uh, for the best intentions. Right. But that's the road to hell is paid with best intentions. So mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that you stay safe. But you're also now a prisoner. I think it's easy. It's a slippery slope. But I, I don't know. I guess I, I it's I wish that we could. I wish we could work together just a little bit. Yeah, it, it's there's more of a desire to not work together than to either even it, it's almost like, well, if if this guy is on the left and I'm on the right, I don't care what he says. I'm going to disagree with it and I want it to be wrong and vice versa. I don't think they even care about being right. I think they just want to yell at the other person for being wrong, because I think right is generally missed by both sides. <laughs> I think what's right is I don't want to say up the middle because I, I, I'm a, I'm a card carrying libertarian. So I hate when people are like, Oh, you're in the middle. I'm like, no, I'm on a different plane. I'm here. These two parties are here. I'm at a different level. Not, not saying better or worse, not saying it that way. Although obviously I think it's better, but uh, it's not, you know, you talk about uh, doing this with uh, war and you talk about doing this with war. And I'm like, there shouldn't be war period done <laughs> oh you're right about that so but i think you know just to your point like i think it was uh maybe gore the doll I, something it's uh, something to this effect of you know uh i not only savor my victories but i also savor you know your defeats mm -hmm. right it's like it's what makes your victory even better is that you know that the you know that you know that your enemy your opponent has lost and that's what makes heaven so great is that you can look down on everyone in hell you know what I mean? So like, so, you know, that's how, you know, like, like, oh, I'm in heaven now. Cause look at everyone burning. But, you know, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that like, you know, what you're saying about 
being libertarian and like having, you know, having like some principles and stuff is very important. And the only thing that we need to guard about ourselves against probably on, on any sort of political, you know, sort of point of view would be this sort of like, mm, well, I know what's right and I'm not involved and I don't do anything wrong. And so it's all them and it's, or it's, or it's, or it's both sides are doing it wrong. You know what I mean? And I like, it's a, there's a, this old term, uh, a beautiful soul, someone who just sort of looks at the world and thinks like, oh, it's so terrible, right? There's everything is going wrong. Uh, and I think that's the, they're the vehicle that, you know, that is used, right? When you are, you don't want to, you don't want to take a position. You don't want to take a stand. You want to be so neutral that you don't have any flavor. That's when you get appropriated, you get taken up and then, you know, you're going to be used by power, right? So whatever power, whatever form power is taken, they're going to use your, it's, it's a fear. You know what I mean? It becomes a fear. So that's what I think. Like you, you have principles. You, you know, you, like you have a stance. That's the that's where we have to start. You might not be correct, right? But you can still you still got to have your what you believe in. I think, you know. Yeah, and it should. You know, I tend to more and more over the last few years. I I, I was heavily. I shouldn't say heavily, but like I was the chairman of my county's Libertarian Party for a year. You know, I, I spent hours and hours and hours for a couple of years, you know, digging in, trying to do good. And I did some things that, I, you know, were good. Sure. But uh, after that, I've really tried to withdraw myself. But it's still like I don't watch the news because I'm not interested and it, it's depressing. But it's like I still have a set of principles that you can just tell me the basic outline of the, what's going on. And I can pretty quickly tell you what I think about it because I have consistent views you know, it's like I, I have principles that fit every everything. Um, and I think I do think that the biggest problem with a lot of. Well, and this goes for libertarians, too. It's the biggest problem with a lot of people uh, is is there's no pragmatism in their beliefs. Um, and libertarians, I have a great example. Libertarians don't believe the government should fund roads. And you'll have libertarians who are like, ah, day one, I'll abolish no more public roads. It's like, well, you can't do that. You can't do that day one. You can wean off, you know, like the post office. I could figure out a way to shut down the U.S. post office, privatize it, sell it for parts in four or five years. Reasonable thing that I think could be done. Um, but no, I wouldn't disband it day one. Where it's it would be too disruptive to everyone. Just be pragmatic. I think, um, <laughs> but I think people are. Uh, although I'll, I'll say this, I think most people disagree with the extremes, but the extremes get argued the most. Meaning, uh, I, I don't want to dive into abortion, but you talk about. You've got people who think you should be able to kill a born child within a month of it being born. And you think some people who, you know, if you take the morning after pill, you're committing an abortion. Both of those are extremely ridiculous. And I think 90% of the country agrees, but they're almost like, well, I got to choose one. <laughs> it's like, well, they're, they're both fucking crazy. <laughs> right. No, I think, uh, right. It's, it's a very difficult subject to talk about because it's so fraught with, uh, with emotional sort of weight. Um, mm -hmm. It's like it's the it's the it's really the the whole question of 
uh, of God and, and, and the sanctity of life and stuff and like, you know, what life is precious. I think that, you know, I say all life is precious, but that's what I told my dinner before I ate it last night. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's just sort of, let's just sort of like get real for a second. If we can, like, you know, what, like the, the secret, the secret kernel of trauma that, that, that is at the core of life, right. Is death, right. Everything to, to sustain your life, you must kill and eat and shit and kill and, you know, repeat. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And you go to sleep at night and that's, you know, that's like death being shy. So basically, you know, we I think that we get used in debates like the abortion debate is really all right. There might be specific cases that you can bring up, but let's get real. Like if, if men were getting pregnant, this wouldn't be this wouldn't be an issue. Right. I'm just saying if it was men that carried the baby, you know, then it would be like on demand, no problems, no questions asked, right? It would be, it would be, it would be much more profitable, right? Uh, this is a, this is a, um, this is a, the device, right? It controls women's bodies. It just simply does, right? It is how it is. It is politically motivated to, to, to do that. Now, it's like, is anybody advocating like the mass sort of genocide of, of the, you know, the future, right? No, I don't think anybody's reasonably calling for that, but you know, I think we we get like sort of led around by the nose and we get to sort of uh, we get to get mad at each other because that's that's what's more fun. It's way more fun to get pissed and to say, like, you don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, like, like I said, you can throw out all of the sort of ham fisted slogans that you like about, you know, what you think. uh, Right to choose right to life, whatever you want to call it. I think that, you know, we should, like, it should be a legitimately a decision between, you know, like, probably, uh, you know, mainly a woman, her doctor, and then pro- possibly the, you know, the partner, possibly, if there, if there is a role there. If but they're involved. Also, yeah, if they're involved, that should, they should have, a, they should probably be involved in the conversation. That's, that's one point I, 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 I know it's not popular with women, but I argue with women all the time about, I'm like, well, you could choose to have the child and I'm on the hook for 18 years of child support. I don't get a say in that. Um, And I think, you know, realistically, I think if the father is going to be involved, not Mm -hmm. if they're, you know, uh, some, you don't know who the father is or they're a deadbeat or, or a criminal, whatever, that that's obviously a different subject. And obviously there is only one person who can make the decision then. Um, But I do think, if the guy's involved, I, I, you know, yeah, it's her, it is the woman's body. Um, it's undeniably a life inside, you know, now, depending on the stage of pregnancy, it might just be a clump of cells or it might have a heartbeat and vision and hearing. Um, and I think that makes a big difference too. Um, you know, we don't, uh, we don't murder cows in the womb not to my knowledge, at least. Like humans are the only species, to, to my knowledge, that murder future humans inside of the womb. Um, so I do think that's a little bit of uh, too black and white thinking of it's only a woman's choice. Men shouldn't talk about it. Well, right. to an extent, right. I agree with that in theory. However, you know, if, if the choice, and this could be pro or anti-abortion, if the choice is going to impact a man's life and obviously 18 years of child support yay or nay will greatly impact almost any man's life 
Um, and again, they may also just want to actually be a father. They might want to be part of the kid's life, not just a check. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think they should have, again, that could go either for or against abortion, but I think they should have some say in the matter also. I think we agree uh, that there's there's more room to move on this particular portion, like the, that, like the conversation should be open here. But if we're getting too specific, I think, you know, it's like, so, you know, there's certainly stories that you could share about, like, you know, uh, someone who is, um, uh, who, who really is, who meets all of your criteria for someone who's doing this wrong, evil, they're murdering their babies, you know what I mean? They just, they're, they're like, they're a, a you know, considered loose woman, and they just keep getting pregnant, and they keep having, you know, abortions, whatever. That's probably some sort of fetishized notion that's in the mind of the anti-abortion advocate. You know what I mean? Probably That's, fairly common sort of way to think about like, oh, there's this evil woman who's just just loves doing it or something. Um, but I mean, like, so I know a lot of very devout, religiously observant people have big families. And they like, they're like, oh, my God, not, you know, we can't take any more blessings. You know what I mean? We can't have any more blessings. Is this not legitimate? You know what I mean? Is this not a legitimate sort of uh a way to you know way to talk about like family planning right like family planning your religion may sort of uh you know preclude you from doing the the you know much more sort of reasonable plan family planning that might that might occur to say you know someone who's basically an atheist you know so basically you know most people they probably believe in god and the you know the sort of you know the sort of uh entertainment today a usa today version like hey do you believe in god oh yeah sure not you don't really you know what i mean you don't really right. you're you're you you believe in science so you're an atheist and you know like so uh but people who really believe but they are faced with this incredible like incredibly tough choice um i don't know i, I think there's uh maybe there's room to to maybe there's room to talk about those issues as well not to say there's a one-size-fits-all not to say that anybody should get an abortion on demand like every single time they should probably be it should probably be like you know a bit of should probably be a bit of you know some sort of procedure and here's us here's here's a couple of men now discussing this issue that and we don't know shit about it also right. by the way <laughs> yeah, we don't know shit about this but i'm just saying as a you know some outsider that's looking at it it should be this way it should be that way I just think that um, this is at the heart of what the, uh, the, the issue is about, right? Is that people uh, think they know the whole story and they can impose their views on other people. So um, yeah, like is all abortion right every single time? Absolutely not, right? But is it like, is it right to sort of like, to say that we can't have the march of science right that science cannot sort of medical like advancements cannot take place because we're too uh we're too adherent to someone's dogmatic like understanding of uh, uh you know of the word you know yeah well i i think that that goes to both sides in that it is too black and white where i i will talk to someone who's completely anti-abortion and i'll say well wouldn't you be happy if they said 12 weeks or 18 weeks or something they put a limit said look 
this baby, I, I think at 18 weeks, now they've said more than half the babies could be removed and still live uh, because of science advancements. Um, it's like, wouldn't you be happy if they said, okay, 18 weeks, no abortions after then. The woman has plenty of time to choose. So both sides should be happy. No, both sides hate that idea. <laughs> or I should say the loud sides. I think 90% of the country would say, yeah, that gives a woman almost five months. That's plenty of time to, to choose whether you're having an abortion or not for the vast, vast majority of people. Um, you know, if, uh, you know, it, babies who literally could live outside of, of the, of the womb are no longer, be, you know, so I would think that's pragmatic both sides, even if you think, yes, I'd like to knock that number down, or I'd like to knock that number up. At least it would sure. be something where it's like, no, we don't believe that we could actually kill a baby that actually just popped out and just kill it because the mother doesn't want it after she gave birth to it. Uh, or, you know, again, the people who think, and again, this is just completely anti-science, but people who think the, the morning after, not, by the way, I hate saying anti-science because science has so, somewhat lost meaning over the past yeah, couple absolutely. of years. Yeah. Um, but the morning after pill is not an abortion in no way, shape or form isn't an abortion. It does not kill the clump of cells or anything like that. I, I, I know enough about it to know that. Uh, but there are people who also would say that should be out. So there are maniacs on both sides. Um, you know, frankly, I think that's and but I think that's most issues. I think it's it's the maniacs on both sides are the loud ones. And I unfortunately think the general public then has to I shouldn't say has to in their head they think well I have to choose one or the other I can't I can't be in the middle because you know I might not think everybody should have their guns taken away I also don't think my next door neighbor should have a nuclear arsenal uh but I guess I have to choose one or the other so I'm gonna lean whatever way the wind's blowing because most people just want to be liked uh, it's like, yeah, okay, if you, if, if Thanos comes down to earth with an infinity gauntlet and say, I can snap all guns away like this, then I think we can have an argument about taking all guns away from people. Um, otherwise, I think you're not really being serious when you say that because there's more guns than people. There's no way in the world you're ever going to get the guns away from everybody. Um, they're here. Yet you, again, we can debate whether they should exist or whether they ever, it is what it is. We don't have a time machine or an infinity gauntlet. Let's not argue in platitudes and ridiculous notions that, you know, yes, I understand the theory of, of and some libertarians are in this camp. Well, I should have machine guns so I can fight the military if they come to my house. Okay, I get, I get the idea, but no, you shouldn't. <laughs> I get right. the idea. I understand that's, you know, to protect yourself from an oppressive government. I understand at least your thinking. And I also understand that no guns should exist thinking, but neither one of those is realistic yeah. at all. So why are those the things we hear instead of like, can we just narrow our focus a little bit? So can, can the adults speak up and tell the loud major, minority that is screaming these platitudes just to shut the fuck up so we can have an adult conversation about things? I don't think they can because it's far more profitable to, to like have this argument going on, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know... Um, I live in Chicago, and so Chicago's a no-gun city. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, yeah. right? So, like, it's impossible for a, it's impossible for <laughs> you know, yeah. It's it's a Chirac is is what you know the you know a lot of locals will you know lovingly refer to it, like you know, because oftentimes you'll hear you know like 
America will be involved in some military skirmish and some, you know, far flung place and X amount of, you know, of our brave military has died in a day or a weekend or something like that. But that number is matched or outpaced by Chicago itself. And then there's other cities too that, have, you know, have like, that have these, uh, it's, it's like an incredible sort of like grinder, you know what I mean? Just grinding up bodies, right? People are just, you know, they're just getting, uh, uh, well, they're just, it's just a constant fight. It's got a constant armed struggle. And I don't know what the answer is. Like, it's relatively difficult, near impossible in many respects for, you know, for, for a person to legally get a gun in Chicago. It's very challenging, but it is very easy to get an illegal gun in Chicago. It's really easy to get one. So um, the prohibition of it, is really, I think, more of a, um, well, it's lip service, right? It's it's politics. It is uh, it is it is a slogan. It's advertising, right? That you just simply like, again, it's that beautiful soul. You know what I mean? So here, you know, here the the leftists in Chicago, a lot of beautiful souls amongst them, and they they think all we got to do is get rid of the guns, and then that should be enough. And I, I think that like. That's totally wrong. We, we, you said it. They're here. They're already yeah. a part of our life. Uh, you know, you, you have to. You have to include it. You have to integrate it. I'm not like the biggest. I'm not. I'm not like a. You know, the biggest gun fanatic. Um, and I don't think that everyone should be able to have one either. But you know, like, there's some something is not right. That's what I believe, and that's what I think I, I'm observing all the time. And. Uh, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's not the same. So you can't compare this. You can't compare the city of Chicago to like some rural, some rural town in Iowa or something. You know, like they'll say, "Oh, yeah. we can yeah. carry our guns, and there's no murder here." It's like, well, it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah, right? you're not we all living on top of each other. We <laughs> live very closely together, and to be honest, it's like you know, uh, Chicagoans. You know, we get along really well for the most part, right? You were talking about people screaming loud. Well, people are screaming loudly. And, and it's my understanding, to be honest, that like that gangs and the structure of organized crime is truly like the vacuum that government can't fill. And so mm-hmm. if you're involved in a gang, you're involved in organized crime in some way. It's like, you're probably just doing your job. You're probably just a part of your community. You're probably just looking out for your family and your neighborhood. I mean, you're not the enemy, but and, and so and you can't count on the police to help you. So you see right. a rival, you see a rival, you have to take care of it because the law is in your hands. You're in a state of nature that you're not a part. You're outside of society in many respects, right? It's not until you get into the more, you know, affluent areas where you're going to see strong police protection, right? And then just like you were talking about your libertarian friends who might have their little pea shooters and they think they're going to take on the US government, right? You know, like absurdity in itself, because, you know, the government, in order to be the government, they have to have the monopoly on pain, (laughs) on power and and killing power, like because the state can smash you whenever they want to. But that in itself, that that's where their that's, you know, that's where their impotence lies. Like, you know, as soon as they display this power, they are made themselves illegitimate. Right. Right. 
it's like the it's like the famous protest you know movies from throughout time the that student that was standing in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square and the tank couldn't move and that brave that brave man stood there in front of that tank uh all Americans have seen that Chinese right. people have not seen that right of course but, <laughs> but you know what I mean but what do we what do we gain from that right what we gain is that like power is only power as long as it's never used as long as it's only understood as the threat of power same thing with guns right like so you have a gun out here in the streets you use it your life is over right like if you're not caught and you're not incarcerated you're on the run you can't even be a, you can't even be your gangster self anymore you know you can't even be a part of your own community you now are you've now you've you've died in a, in a certain respect right like taking a life in this way you know it sort of it, it kills you and i don't i you know it, i guess i don't want to like i don't want to conflate these issues but you know i'm sure that what you, you the same thing could be said for what we were just talking about in terms of abortion too so you, the same you, thing like there can be there can be some overlap here that like you take this life you know what are you trading but you know yeah it, it, it's interesting comparison is the irony of uh and again this isn't saying right or wrong but the funny thing is the people who argue well if you ban abortions people get illegal abortions and they're they're dangerous and they're the ones saying you should ban guns oh because nobody ever has had a gun illegally <laughs> um so it's like you you but you brought it up when you mentioned, you know, the prohibition and prohibition of everything is what leads to and regulation. I'll say prohibition and regulation lead to every black market, which leads to every gang, every cartel. Uh, you know, uh, there there wouldn't be. Um, well, this can go a little deeper and too dark i don't want to go too deep but adult sex trafficking would not exist obviously there's the other side if prostitution were legal there would not be drug cartels if drugs were just legal just you know if you could buy your meth and your heroin at cvs first of all it would be very safe they wouldn't be your cocaine wouldn't have fentanyl in it um Although, again, the, the older I get, the more cynical I get, I assume that the government is involved in running many of these cartels, kind of, uh, well, I don't want to spoil a, sh a couple shows where that kind of becomes a theme where it's like they're, the cartel is a wing of the U.S. government, basically. Absolutely. This is, this is, this is crucial. This is crucial. Like, you know, uh, what, what happens, right? Like, uh, you know, if, if you're in a standoff and you're the only one with a gun, you know what I mean? You're, you got all the guns and you're a standoff. You, you distribute more guns. So, that, you know, that way, like, you can have some guns pointed at you. Mm -hmm. Got to have a point to what's going on, right? Like, law enforcement, the the prison system itself, these are, like, major, like, uh, uh, these are major, like, um, businesses, right? They, they make a lot of, they generate a lot of capital, right? They generate a lot of profit. So um, you got to fill up those jails with people. You need bodies and stuff, right? So, yeah, I think I think you're I think you're uh, you, you've offered us a really deep insight, Jeff. That, like <laughs> that that these you know these institutions are necessary for you know uh, uh, for the to predicate having a government at all. 
right? Yeah. If the government did a perfect job, we'd say, oh, we don't need the government anymore, right? Like, so, uh, so Batman needs the Joker, right? Because without, it's, you know, it's no fun. You know what yeah. I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense anymore. You know what I mean? You got to have some, you got to have something, uh, uh, you have to have this opposition. And even if that is a spectacle, even if it's not true, right? Um, it could still be productive for society. But the problem, I think, you know, can come in when, you know, when when things go out of control, right? When when you've lost that script, people actually believe in the the lies. You feel me, right? Yeah. People start, people start believing in the lies, and then and they you know they take them up, like like we were just talking about, you know the sort of the liberal hypocrisy and then the conservative hypocrisy mm-hmm. you know you 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 know you don't you you're not for abortions but you want to have all the guns you know what i mean every gun that there is right you don't want to have any sort of like any sort of regulation at all on like on like automatic weapons and stuff you know like you could you could walk around with a you know like a bandolier of like 30 you know with, with clips that hold like 30 bullets in them and then you could just you know, like the Terminator, just keep on plugging them away. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's like it's it's like it's like playing Grand Theft Auto in real life. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and that's like I don't know. Like, I mean, would be fun, except for you know, you die multiple times. You can respawn in GTA. <laughs> yeah, but those games are important, and I think they like uh, they exercise a you know again like that whole. We, to live in society, we have to completely repress our the killer instinct, right? You can't mm-hmm. like, like again, like like we were like we were talking about in the beginning. In order to sustain our life, right, we have to things must be slaughtered and sacrificed to our bodies, right? Like you gotta, you gotta, you know, you're gonna if you're a meat eater, great, you know. If you're a vegan, that's great. But you plants, know, have you ever heard it described like? <laughs> right, I've heard it described like, "Oh, I'm going to eat healthy vegetables." Well, no, the vegetables are dead, right? I had to murder the vegetables in order to eat them, mm-hmm. right? And they have so a silent a, scream, much like a fetus. A silent scream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What does a vegetable? What does a broccoli sound like when you're cutting off its head? You know what I mean? I bet it's terrifying to the other broccoli. Yeah. But, you know, like. Didn't you see Sausage Party? It was yeah, a documentary exactly. about that. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> maybe that's what it's like you know what i mean and if that were the case then we then then human beings would find a way to never eat again and so like they make you know we find a way to make ourselves feel bad about eating at all but i guess that's that's that makes sense to me that we have to we have to repress that that killer instinct so we can get along with each other in society more broadly um but but therein it's 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 just repressed. It didn't go anywhere. It just it's right there on the surface. And so and it manifests itself in all these weird ways and all these strange behaviors and stuff that we, you know, that we engage with. So, yeah, well, you'll be happy to know what, what last time I played Grand Theft Auto five, I spent <laughs> most of the time uh, getting strippers to have sex with me. It, not that. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm like, it mirrors real life. I don't know. <laughs> But also, I liked being chased by the police, and that doesn't happen in my real life. Oh yeah, like, oh. Being, like being chased by the police. I didn't like the missions, but I liked just stealing a car and going. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. It's super fun. It's I. It's my understanding that that's like the most 
So don't quote me here. I, you know, I'm not going to try to throw out some, you know, figure, but it's the Grand Theft Auto, like sort of franchise is like the most profitable enterprise in the history of the world or something like that. It's like sold more copies than the Bible, that sort of a thing, you know, <laughs> something like that. It's like people love it, I think, for, for a deep uh, an existential reason. And um, yeah. because we can't live, you can't live it, but you can through this imaginative device that helps you, um, I don't know, like on un guard that repression for at least a little while, you know what I mean? And, and it's, I think it's funny, you know, you'll, you might sort of, you, you apply your morality to a, to a video game. <laughs> You know, but you quickly understand that the morality of the video game, you know, may not may not like correspond to the ethics within the video game, if that makes sense. Right. Like the game designers, they want to build a world that can function a certain way. And so you come into it, you enter in and you're like, oh, how do I engage with this? And how do I like, uh, you know, how do I how do I be a good gamer, whatever? Maybe you just maybe you throw all that out of the window and just go nuts. Maybe you're like sort of reserved. But eventually you figure out like you get educated, right? Like if you're like, if you, you know, like, like you said, if you're in Grand Theft Auto or some other kind of like, you know, first person, like you can murder people game, like you can attract the attention of the authorities and stuff. If you're, if you're running too hot, you know what I mean? You can get, you can get like punished, right? Right. But the same thing goes if you're too timid, right? You can get attacked. You can be, you know what I mean? You can be sort of destroyed that way. So again, it's not a middle of the road. It's a, you know, it's a just keep swimming sort of a situation. And, and um, oh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reference in case. Yeah. Just keep swimming. So yeah, you can, you can splice Pixar into, into, into uh, dr drugs and guns and violence very easily. <laughs> oh yeah. They're, they're definitely, they're all involved. They're all in on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's, you know, there, there's that one movie, uh, I can't. I, I fell asleep during. I I went. I shouldn't say I went through a phase. I have a nine and a twelve year old. Now I they watch movies that are better, so I don't like just throw them on so I can take a nap during you know Saturday afternoon. Uh, but I went through a phase where I'd watch like the first five minutes and the last ten minutes of a movie and sleep through the middle. There's one where I'm like, huh, this seems like a warning. I think it was Wall-E, but I don't actually know what happened in the movie. But I'm like, seems like this is a warning to society not just a fun cartoon <laughs> yeah that's uh wally is an amazing film and so you i want to encourage you jeff check it out i think you i think you really will enjoy it um but uh one of my favorite authors mark fisher talks about wally uh in his book capitalist realism and he talks about how like um Disney was really kind of, uh, you know, criticized for how they were critical of the audience, right? The whole point of WALL-E, if you saw the end of it, you know, that spoiler alert, like the whole world had, had become a dystopian, like sort of, you know, failure. And there was no bodies, there was no human beings on the earth. And WALL-E was just sort of wandering the earth and looking for Eve, you know, as his love interest. So these were, you know, it was robots in love is the sort of the premise, but but I think the object of the movie was that all of the humans that still existed were up on a space station hovering, you know, like almost like in a heavenly sort of space, like, you know, existing above the earth, which was now a hellscape. 
and they were they were like obese sort of drinking some sort of like slop through a tube and they like they all like hovered around on chairs with screens in front of them right they were totally like pacified you know like just uh um still bodies right they weren't moving they weren't doing anything they weren't engaging with with anything because it was because everything was perfect everything mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like it wasn't it was obviously not perfect but it was everything all their needs were met so they had no more desire and thus like the whole world went to hell and they didn't care right it wasn't like that and so that's how the movie sort of ends on a somewhat sort of a you know like a like a positive note that people see the error of their ways they come back home and decide to make you know make it make it good again you know make yeah make make it like you know they start exercising right yeah don't solely rely away. on machines <laughs> yeah well it's a it's a partnership you right. know what i mean it's like it's like human beings have always used technology like think about an ape using a stick to like eat ants or something like that and now we use computers they're not they're not totally different you know what i mean but like but they're totally different so you know it's a partnership and technology i don't know maybe our bones are that way right you know like like however life evolved you know from this organic matter you know some sort of you know we're mostly made of water and stuff but somehow along the way now we've got bones and now we've got like you know we've got spirit we've got every, you know we have all of this uh there's a there's a unity to our to our being right that like all these sort of things come together in order to constitute you you know um and so i think if you if you deny any part of it or try to you're gonna get some sort of a symptom right mm -hmm. i think that's a part of like the societal things that we were discussing earlier like all of the problems are kind of like not the problem there's symptoms of something else, right? Some there's some other like fundamental antagonism at the heart of being, like between humans and between like you know, you as an individual, whatever that is, and then the collective and then, you know, all life on earth and stuff, right? You're relating to it asymmetrically in some way, but um but it's like unless you can integrate all of it somehow, which you can't, but you know, the symptom happens, right? Some sort of symptomatic rupture happens, like, you know, all the all the poverty we see, all the disparity and the, you know, the, in, you know, the inequality and in, in wealth and access to to technology and to the good life and to the things that are that are, you know, um, I think uh, that would make make life more livable, right? Like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking too much. Go ahead. Please. No, no, no. It's a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing to try to put into words. Really, uh, it's uh, yeah. I part of me thinks, and I, I look at my own life. I'm a lazy person. Like, I, I woke up. Um, I have terrible insomnia. Uh, and so I woke up at like three in the morning. I watched TV for five hours, trying to go back to sleep, complete waste of time. But in my mind, just watch a little bit more. I'll fall asleep. So I, I, I finally fell asleep for a couple hours. I woke up. I'm like, well, I got a podcast at three. 
got to do another podcast. I do a, a sports thing. Um, I, I, I got to do some, some basic housekeeping things, uh, literally and like paying bills type stuff. So I'm like, I don't have time to run to the liquor store. That'll take 45 minutes. I'm going to hop on the computer and have FedEx same day delivery for an extra $8. Yeah. Um, and part of me is like, well, that's great. That shows how far we've come that I don't even need to get in the car, waste of gas, drive, waste time. Right. Part of me also thinks, ooh, it was that easy to get liquor just delivered to my front door. Maybe it would be better if I had to work for it. <laughs> um, and I also had food delivered. <laughs> I have a fridge and freezer full of food that I could easily prepare for myself. But no, I'm like, well, what's what's BOGO on Uber Eats today? Yeah. Also, yeah. I'm helping. I also ordered something off Amazon, by the way. <laughs> so I also helped three large corporations make money off of me. Did not help in the restaurant, at least. Yeah. If, if they made money off the deal, at least that was a mom and pop local place. Um, sure. So at least I got that going for me. Um, but a franchise liquor store paying FedEx, uh, paying Uber and, you know, yeah, I tipped the driver. So I guess nice for her, but, uh, <laughs> paying Amazon money. Um, I didn't need to leave the house. I got, I got a new outfit. I got, I got three bottles of booze delivered to my house, which should last me a few days. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got two meals delivered to my house, which hopefully last me two days. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, part of that is great. I didn't need to waste an hour and a half of my time driving around or cooking or doing this, that, the other. Uh, it certainly was better bang for my buck. If you think of how much, you know, if you pay yourself per hour, uh, not to mention the way gas prices are, that would have probably been $15 worth of gas driving around town doing those things. Yeah. Um, so part of me thinks it's great. The other part of me thinks I'm this close to being a character on Wall-E who just sits in front. Oh, and I watch Norm McDonald's <laughs> special on Netflix talking about supporting at least that's my ex-wife's husband's netflix account so i've got i don't think you should feel guilty at all about like i, I think that like what you just described uh, equates to a sort of success mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's a sort of there's a status you know that like associated with it and i think like i don't think i don't think you should feel bad about it at all i think it's like i think it's normal probably good it might very well be something that's more like counterintuitively much more productive right much more productive like you know instead of okay let's i don't want to you know go too off the rails here but instead of like sending your money to you know you know big oil exclusively right you tipped a driver you know what i mean you you know you like you said the the liquor store the the restaurant all that stuff i think there's uh, and your time right that's the only actual thing you have right like all the money you think you have and all the shit you think you got, you, you don't because you'll die one day and it'll be it won't be yours anymore. The only thing that you had was your time. So you're right that your time is your most valuable asset and you should use it wisely. And if if you can, again, I think like if you can allocate the resource to like to save your time so that way you can be more effective at your the, the things that you are doing, you know, the things you're involved in, I think that's, and that sounds right to me. I, I think, you know what I mean? Like maybe the, you know, the Uber driver, like 
they they love that job and and you know they that's that's what it seems like to me whenever i happen to uber and i you know like go somewhere like i've only i've i've really had very good experiences i'm sure and i know that's not it's the same thing we said before you can't like blanket statement everything's perfect right every single experience is great but i've had pretty good ones with uber drivers they seem like real folks just like hustling and trying to make a couple bucks so i always i always try to tip the max you know what i mean like i you know i think tipping tipping is uh is you know like tipping is uh is a, is a scam you know what i mean we should just pay people i don't know what what like, tipping is a scam you know what i mean it's like it's like it's many other scams you know what i mean it's like it's uh and 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 what's funny is that like i've certainly talked to people like for instance the restaurant industry you know and like talked about like hey you know uh how would you feel especially like after at, you know during during the pandemic and you know restaurant industry itself was like was completely threatened under you know was under threat it's like well hey you know restaurant restaurant fam like aren't wouldn't you want to collectively you know organize so that way you can sort of speak at en mass and be you know become like you know end this you know end all this tipping and get paid get like you know yeah sure food price you know the price at the restaurant might go up right but we should take care of you right it's sort of like it's not really the system isn't right they don't want it they want the tips they want to they think they think scrapping for that tip is like better I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue. I. I mean, I think we could bring in, a, in a, an economist and have a more like a deeper discussion about it. But I think you know, for me, it seems like it seems like too contingent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you know, it just seems too contingent on like you know, like the the on the customer or the you know, like or the patron. They might. They may not be having a bad day. They may be a racist. They may be like whatever. You know what I mean? And they, and like, you give them, you give them your all and, and you just get disappointed. And, you know, I, I don't know, like, so, so the restaurant profits or the corporate entity that owns the restaurant corporation will profit and you can go home tonight, you know, like having to pay for all that gas it took for you to get to your job and you can just suck it. Cause you know, yeah. Cause you're, cause you work for minimum wage plus tips or less than minimum wage less than yeah less than minimum wage which is it's that should not be that should be a crime well it's the the uber eats see my i always feel bad with uber rides because a lot of times they they don't ask you to tip until the next time you log into the app and sometimes it's mm -hmm. you know six hours later sometimes it's you know three four weeks later it's like I don't even remember this Uber ride. Am I supposed to tip this person? I don't, I don't, you know, this could have been a, a ride down the block where I'm like, you made enough money just on the fare. Uh, or it could have been, a, a, I don't, you know, I don't remember. I could have been blackout drunk and been an asshole and they deserve a tip. Uh, but four weeks later, it's not going to mean, I mean, obviously I'm sure still like sure. I'm sure they'd still rather it than not, but but with Uber Eats, I, I know just because I signed up and did a few deliveries, um, it's like, man, if you don't get tipped, you're losing money basically on the deal yeah. because they don't they don't pay you enough. You know, you you drive thirty minute circuit and you make two dollars and fifty cents. You you better get that ten dollar tip or you're you're at a you've lost money, basically. 
Um, that's not a good job. <laughs> that's not a good job where you lose money when you're working for them. You know what no, I mean? No, well, I mean, that's a bad it, it's one of those things where it's like you get the person. My very first delivery, the person like upped their tip from ten dollars to like twenty five bucks. Don't know why, but it was like, oh, I just worked fifteen minutes and made thirty dollars. Yeah, that I was just on my way. I had the app. I'm like, let me let me just go ahead and yeah and, and try one. So I did one ride that was on my way home, and. uh took 15 extra minutes and I made 30 bucks. I'm like, that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's, that's a nice 15 that's, minutes. <laughs> that's nice. And that would be really helpful for so many people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that would, that could be so helpful for so many people. It's, um, uh, I don't know, just, but again, like in order to even do that labor, right. To be the Uber to be an Uber, like, a, you know, to be associated with them, you have to have a car. You have to have a, mm -hmm. a nice car. You know what I mean? For the most part, like, it has to meet certain specifications and stuff in order to, like, qualify to be part of it. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, to, to drive passengers, yeah, you have to yeah. have a, a, a pretty new car. Um, you make a lot more money driving people than you do food, I've heard. Yeah. I, I've never driven people because I, I have kids, so my car is never going to be clean enough where I... <laughs> First of all, I don't want people back there because it's a mess. <laughs> Second of all, it's like I don't want them spilling their booze in my back seat because I had kids and I don't need mm -hmm. the car to smell like booze. That's I don't need them leaving a joint in the door handle that they forget. <laughs> you know, I and and by the way, if I was driving people in Uber, I would totally, you know, off the record, of course, I would totally tell people drink and smoke all you want. Just roll down the windows if you're going to smoke. That's uh, uh, that's super decent. I I got in an Uber yesterday. Be, and. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah, most decent. I, I I think, and that's like that's what that's what's great about people, right? People care about each other. You know what I mean? And you want to be liked, and you want it like you were saying earlier. I think that's that's really true. Um, but like, you know, again, it is there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of business here, right? There's a lot of you know, you're you're really art. You're trying to make trying to make ends meet, likely. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe you're just doing it for the fun of it, whatever the case may be, I, you know, like the, like labor, right. has a dignity to it. Right. And we should celebrate the dignity of people's labor, right. People that like, uh, you know, recently there was a tattoo convention, uh, in, uh, Columbus called hell city. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends went to it and afterwards they were doing their podcast and they were thanking all the individual people that did all the little jobs throughout the weekend like of course there's a big you know there's the, the big promoter who's sort of like everybody knows his name and he's like you know really popular person but then there was like all of the many hands right that made made it possible and they sort of went through it like almost painstaking like oh yeah and you did this and this person did that and i thought it was i thought that was incredible right? i thought it was incredible um, cause that's, you know, we watch the credits of the movie as we're walking out of the door. You know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're leaving, we're leaving the theater when yeah. it's time for little people, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's, maybe it's them who are the most important thing, really, you know? Yeah. The, the unsung heroes that, uh, only only fans of Marvel movies actually stick around. Not that they pay attention to them, but at least they're there because they know something else is coming at the end. <laughs> right. No, that's a, that's a nice strategy too. Yeah, that's a good like you know, 
that's that's thoughtful you know that you you place a little little you know easter egg at the end of the movie so that way you know you can watch it and just at least you got to you know at least your efforts your part of the film somebody somebody saw your name flash across their eyes just for a moment that's that's all your recognition you're going to get but good for you you know what i mean it's amazing it's amazing to have a great job and to do be a part of some amazing project like that and and then yeah and then we should then we should like celebrate those those people and their efforts and all that work you know it's um yeah. uh, it doesn't happen enough that's all i'm saying we don't we right. don't pay yeah we don't pay you enough <laughs> you know what i'm saying they no. don't pay you enough they should they should give you a raise that's that's that should be what you tell everybody that ever serves you ever they don't pay you enough they're serving you your food or something you know what i mean if they're the cashier the retail store or whatever you should tell them they don't pay you enough yeah they they they, they they're they're exploiting you so so god bless you for for doing what you do because if you weren't here doing this you know then i don't know how it'll get done so robots yeah. eventually it'll be robots well, i was gonna say yeah <laughs> robots, but not yet <laughs> but then before you know what i mean like is that a question we can ask is that not allowed like say that again you you i lost you for right. a second like if we have all these robots then what are we going to need all these people for like i don't know i think that's a valid question I don't know because I, I heard some people say, "Well, who's going to build the robots?" Well, robots are going to build the robots. Right. <laughs> There'll well, be a person the there supervising the robots, I'm sure. But um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, human ingenuity being what it is, I, I think we'll find a field of work. Uh, that's part of the scary thing about the minimum wage in general is they always say when the minimum wage goes up, they're just going to, you know, in fairness, you know, what high schooler is worth $15 an hour? They're going to fuck up. They're going to probably be more of a hassle to their manager than what they actually, on the whole, obviously, right. I, I work construction uh, as a day laborer in my summer between junior and senior year of high school. And uh, when they were doing the roofing, they only needed one day laborer. They sent all these other much more experienced people because I was the hardest worker. So they got a, they got a bargain of me and I got paid $10 an hour, which back then was a ton of money for a high school kid. You know, sure. 17 years ago, whatever it was. Um, so I was, I was rolling in the money, making $400 a week. Um, and back then I couldn't complain. I was, you know, making more money than anyone in high school at that point. Um, but uh, I just think in general, most, especially with, frankly, the attitudes that I feel are likely more in young people nowadays of kind of, uh, I'll show up when I want to. And, and look, in fairness, I had an office job until I left the corporate world. It hasn't even been a year yet. Um, but I was very much a, you know, I don't work on a clock. I'm a salaried employee. If I if, if I want to leave at 4.52, I leave at 4.52. Fuck you. I'm not staying till five. That thing's not my boss. I'm done with my work. I'm leaving. Um, and I just had that attitude. So I make fun of their attitude, but I have the exact same attitude. And I'm now I am a millennial. So I guess that fits with the stereotype. But I make fun of the Gen Z kids all the time for being, you know, 
soft and everything. I'm, I'm not much different than them, frankly. Right. Well, they, uh, I think that, I think that Gen Z has a different perspective on, on things, right? I think it's, uh, they, they like came of age in a different era. Their movies were different than our movies, the millennial movies, right? Like mm -hmm. they, you know, and then pretty soon it's probably not going to really be movies anymore. That's like the defining sort of cultural, you know, like, uh, trope of, of, you know, of your generation. So, you know, for me, to be honest, like huge for millennials has got to be Steven Spielberg movies. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and, and Steven Spielberg movies are like oftentimes about like sort of the opposition uh, to Nazis, right? Like, all, like many Steven Spielberg movies are like, they're really rhetorically invested in like, you know, stopping Nazis to stop the Nazis, right? The Nazis are the bad guy. Uh, you know, um, somehow this has been lost, right? And it seems like, uh, it seems like now there's more Nazis for some reason. I don't know. It just seems like, it just seems like it to me. Like there's more Nazis. They're, they're more young, they're more young men, uh, who are taking up their, you know, this sort of, this sort of like white nationalism, this sort of like, uh, you know, this, uh, this racist ideology, the incel uh, ideology, right? It, it, these incredibly frustrated young men, and they have access to these incredibly powerful guns, and then they just they go play Grand Theft Auto IRL. And uh, you know, like uh, I don't, you know, again, this is this is terrorism, right? This is this is terrorism. We're terrified of this occurring to us and our bodies and, and the ones we love. It doesn't happen all the time, right? It's not, I mean, it happens too often and it's a tragedy and stuff, right? Um, but, but again, I mean, it's sort of like, um, uh, is this, is this the, is this just the beginning? Is this just the sort of like, is this just the, the, the coming attractions, it, right? Of what is bubbling under the surface, right? It's it scare A couple things really scare me. And it's something that, Again, the Gen Z kids and young adults are are being trained in, and it's something you know we didn't have to worry about. But it makes me wonder. So, so a couple factors are at play here that bother me. One is, um, if you're a minority, unless you're Asian, uh, you're a victim. You're a victim. Well, well, why are we telling people they're victims? <laughs> For is that a good mindset to go through life? with is just, I'm going to be a victim. That probably is not a healthy outlook. Now, you know, you can, do you think you're helping race relations when you tell a young black boy that every cop wants to kill them? No. <laughs> I mean, no, do you think you're doing good for police or for, for black people when no. you're saying hey, cops want, are gonna wanna kill you? People, in fairness, a cop pulls up behind me I start, yeah. my heart starts pounding and I'm petrified. Now, sure. I don't think I'm going to be shot, um, but who should really think that, frankly? The, the number of police who just go, stop people and shoot them is, is statistically very, very, very low. 
if you look at traffic stops and how many people get shot in those traffic stops yeah so teaching people that every cop is going to try to shoot you uh first just the whole victim thing in general or the system you know you're going to be judged racist this that the other the other factor is i think is a problem is now white people now white people are born right they didn't choose to be white they didn't choose what their ancestors may or may not have done um i always i always joke i'm like i'm a, my family came to this country after 1910 we didn't have slaves we're from italy like, why are you talking to me about slavery? I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the Roman Empire had slaves centuries ago. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, so slavery is just recently not being, a th- although I think there is slavery in some countries still out there. But regardless, being told that you're bad because your people before you were bad. So white people are, well, how do you think a kid who maybe grows up in a low end, you know, white trash family with bad parents nothing you know poor person and they're told they have all these privileges how do you think they're going to feel then about the system and about potentially about minorities like if i am oppressing you you have your parents have better stuff than my parents do um it is really i i've argued this is is the problem is it's it's class and poverty. It's really not race at all. LeBron James kid isn't going to be pulled over and shot by the police. Uh, a, a, a white trash kid has a better chance of being pulled over in a, his 1980s pickup truck and being shot by the police than LeBron James kid does. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's class. It's really not saying that racism isn't a thing. Obviously, it was a huge thing uh, and has been historically a huge thing. But I do think it's like, stop, and not to, no pun intended, stop painting everything black and white, you know? Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Well, I I just, I think that, uh, you know, all that I, what what just comes to mind to, you know, for me is that like, you know, that these ideas about racism uh, are, they emerge, right? They emerge because of this resentment that you were describing, right? So... You know, you're you're sort of, you know, in our in our thought experiment, there's this white trash kid who is being like sort of told that you are, you know, uh, you are guilty already, and you are also, you know, you're the, you know, you're like it's it's a form of racial discrimination, right? It just is. It's a it's a form of racism that's being enacted upon that person. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna resent, right? They're gonna resent the other. They're gonna, you know, of, of course. But what is really going on? The division between everyone. It, this is divisive. It's meant to sort of mm-hmm. separate us. Um, so, like, there's this old philosopher named Derrida, and he talks about this idea. This is this might be too too much, too hot for television, but here's the notion, and see if you can follow me, right? Like, so racism and the sort of the structures that like uh, that like are systemic. Is true. It happens. It's real, right? There, it, racism as an ideology, as an ideological form, is real. And there are institutions that are institutionally racialized and race sort of oriented. Okay. There is no such thing as race. There's no scientific like justification for these notions about race. This doesn't exist. Check it out. It doesn't exist. What does exist is our ideological structures. Now, 
Racism is the lie that we tell to ourselves and others to just sort of fill in the gap is why we don't look like each other, right? You were talking about slavery just a moment ago and like, okay, so we're really stuck in, you know, in, in America specifically, we're really stuck on the, the civil war in terms of race relations and like how badly that's gone, the failure of that project, mm-hmm. failure of trying to, you know, the failure of trying to sort of like, and, and, uh, you know, and the, and the enslavement of Africans in America and integrate them into society, you know, has failed. You know what I mean? It just like as a, as a, as a sure. formal structure, you can't formally do that. It is obviously it didn't work out, but then you, you know, you went all the way back to ancient Rome and how they have slaves. This is true, right? It's like absolutely true. And so you could probably go back. This is the problem. I, you know, again, I see like, you know, if you ever, if you ever go to a, you know, a liberal institution and you're listening to an academic talk, sometimes they'll say like, you know, we want to honor the, the first peoples that, you know, you know, their land was taken and now our university sits on it. And it's like, okay, cool. But who took the land? Who did they take the land from? Right. And who did they take the land from? And how much farther back do we need to go here? You know, so, so maybe there's room to like, sort of, to, to make a comment about like, uh, like what group did what, you know, to the other group in Rwanda, there was a genocide within our lifetimes, right? Uh, the Tutsis and the Hutus, terrible, just ter- genocide, right? So yeah, we should, you know, we should waggle the finger, right? About that stuff. But like, you know, like, like you're saying, trying to enforce some sort of racialized notion on this, on a, you know, like a, a disenfranchised white youth is just as bad as doing it to a, to a disenfranchised black youth or any other other that you could disenfranchise further because you're frankly just trying to, you're, you're just, it's just a system of control. You're just trying to control yeah. them. You just want to divide them and you want them to, I mean, really we're sort of, uh, we're radicalizing our youth by telling them this stuff. And, and so, you know, the, the ideology of the suicide bomber is not that they're so sure about like what they're doing. You know, they are like, they're real scared, you know, they like, they don't know if it's going to work or not, but something's going to happen, right? They're either going to go to heaven or they're going to die. And that's it. One or the other. You know what I mean? Like I'm either like either, either there is a God or there isn't a God and I can't decide. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, we'll, we'll find the out. Moment of decision is bad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, you can't, you can't, you can't make that objective choice, which is, which is terrible. This is, I mean, this is a result of, of psychological manipulation is what I'm trying to say. You've mm-hmm. been psychologically conditioned and manipulated. And you're now sort of forced to make this decision about like, about the unknown. You got to jump into the unknown and uh, it's, it's the wrong jump. You know what I mean? It's just frankly the wrong jump. So, you know, anyway, that's what I think about the, you know, the race debate is that like race, it's pseudo problem. That's a real problem. Yeah. Right. It was a pseudo problem with real world results, you know, real world outcomes and consequences. I, I, I wonder, and, and this is something I heard Adam Carolla, I believe has said this and uh, it's, it's one of, sorry, I have a fly now. Uh, there, there's a, um, there, there's too much of an industry in, I think he calls it race hustling. And I don't, I think that maybe is a little, maybe a little bit of an aggressive term, but um, 
there's too many people writing books and making money, giving speeches about, you know, all of these things. Uh, he points to, and I, I, I think it's an interesting comment. I think this is even a, a more insidious thing, the environment. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the hell to believe with, I believe that there's climate change. I don't think that's really debatable. If climate change were fixed, where it's like, we're fine, we don't need to really do anything, we would never know <laughs> because they wouldn't let us know because they would keep pushing it further and further because it's a billion dollar industry, the green, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not, but I'm saying we'll never know if this was part of my thing with COVID and where I think Fauci went off the deep end when he frankly was, in my opinion, was just at a certain point, he was mocking the public. When he was like, oh, you just wear two or three masks now. That's it's like, shut the fuck. You're just now just trying to be, you are trying to make us look like assholes so you can laugh at us. Like, I, I don't believe you. You said two weeks to slow the curve. When, by the way, we didn't even have COVID in Florida when you made us shut down. Uh, <laughs> maybe when COVID actually got here, if we had shut down for two weeks, it maybe would have done something. We were done when COVID got here. We were in Florida. We were like, and by the way, they're better than California did, who's just recently removing a lot of their lockdown measures um, with an older and more at risk population also, I'll say, in yeah. Florida. So it seems, you know, not that we did everything perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but seems like we did it better than some places did, all, all things considered. Um, but um, sorry, that was a going back to an old COVID rant now, but, but with, with, I don't think we would know the difference with the environment. And, and again, I think the noblest of intentions with most people and everything like that, but I think it's too big of a, of a money grab at this point that even if right now they said, Hey, everything's totally sustainable. The earth is great. We never, we, you know, electric cars are already kicking in and it's going to get more and more. I, Neil deGrasse Tyson said years ago, he's like, we don't need to do anything to fix the environment because technology is advancing to the point where everything is getting cleaner. It'll fix itself before it implodes upon itself. Uh, he, 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 said, he said something to that effect where we're making more electric cars, they're getting cleaner, even cars that aren't electric are getting cleaner and more efficient. Uh, our factories are figuring out ways to put out clean cleaner output at least in america uh, i think a lot of the problem is the asian pollution but you know we we can only control so much there but uh but paying more tax dollars apparently will somehow help that so that that's interesting but <laughs> but anyways so i don't know who's right and i don't think we'll ever know the honest to god truth because i think it's too much of an industry where even if 20 years from now everything's on an electric car and say we're completely off coal say right. nuclear energy for some reason finally gets accepted by people we we have no issues whatsoever to worry about we wouldn't know it because they'd need to keep telling us there's a crisis or they'll lose they'll lose control of the messaging they'll lose control of the people and i think that i think that goes to almost everything we've talked about whether it's you know fueling racism climate change, COVID, guns, abortion, everything is about, we just want to make sure we keep control of these people, yeah. keep, keep control of how they can spend their monies, what they can do with their bodies, what they can do with their families. Everything is in our control. 
they just think they have they they have fake choices that they can make <laughs> you know it's it's a facade of 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 uh it's an illusion of choice that we give them, but we control everything. <laughs> that is, I think that's really insightful and you can, you can apply that. I think you can apply that, uh, that notion that it's the, the profit motivation is, is strong and it's especially strong, you know, like in the, in, you know, in the, the capitalist, uh, you know, first world. Um, and you know, it's, uh, profits important, you know, it really is important to, to make profit and stuff um you know as far as the as far as the climate change as far as the you know the covid concerns go i hear you i think there's absolutely uh you know there was you know like wrongs on from both sides of it right you know the the, the administration the you you know the u.s government and and the presidential administration during covid uh i think I think made a lot of errors, but of course the medical uh, establishment also made a lot of errors, right? And and here's what's funny. I think like this this may sound weird, but you know like sometimes sometimes you have to like get told a little fib every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like your parents tell you a little fib, and it's like you gotta you gotta go with it, even if you know better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you know better, like okay, okay wear three masks. Okay, I'll wear three masks because. All right, I don't believe it, but I but I heard it works if you don't believe in it, right? And so I get it. It, it like it looks like it looks like foolish, but it was an emergency. I get it, but you know, but it's a free it's a free country, uh, you know, allegedly. <laughs> so, yeah. But here's what I, here's where the point lies. I think, you know, when when you say we're not going to know about climate change and we're not going to know, you know, a lot of things, I think that just that just means that you know the first world won't feel it. It's 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 the second world and the third world and the rest of the world they're going to feel it right where you live in a where you live in a in a in a very you know very precarious place with no you know with no access to aid with no like sort of uh with anything you're going to feel the effects of climate change more acutely right as sea levels rise and your you know and your island gets you know dunked right or uh or like the the weather patterns change and now you live in a drought like you live in a, in a constant sort of you know desert now you know what i mean it used to be fertile land that your family's it's been in your family for generations now you can't grow anything right that's going to be felt in you know like in 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 the in the poorer parts right if you're poor you're going to feel that stuff same thing with covid i get it there can be some debate about the the uh the efficacy of vaccinations and stuff Maybe we'll talk about that later, but like vaccines do have some effect, right? Guess who got them first? America first, right? But we didn't really, you know, we didn't like, we could have been more enthusiastic. You know, I think there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, doubt and a lot of like sort of disbelief in it. And we'll see, we'll see how that fares out. But there was so much of the rest of the world are just now. Right, they're just now getting their second booster. Just now, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's been years, and uh, and and so you know, like, America does get first pick often, and it's not good enough for us for some reason. Right? We just, I I see this. I, you know, I I like to I like to use social media, and I and I'll see this like. I'll see this on, you know, on more right wing stuff, right wing propaganda often is, you know, 
some complaint about like, uh, you know, people are complaining that we're giving aid to the Ukraine, but, you know, but Americans can't buy baby formula or something like, I don't know what, I don't know what the, the discrepancy is there. Just absurd. So absurd. Like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? You know, like Vladimir Putin is, uh, uh, is committing war crimes against Ukraine. And, you know, uh, and so we're like, we're helping them at all. That, that's, that, that's good. That's good. We should try to help them more. I, I, I don't believe in what's happening. I don't believe in Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine personally. Uh, well, I, think, yeah. I, think it's wrong. I, I don't believe I think in any war. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I don't. I'll say this though. I don't know that I believe in Ukraine's guy as much as uh, they're trying to push him on us. That's and, probably and, fair. fair. You point. know, some of that. Some of that. I, I have to say is just a counterculture type personality I have, where it's like if the media is painting someone out to be too good, they've got to have. And and look, the fact that he. Right. <laughs> shut down every political opposition in his country. He is actually kind of a fascist. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're right. I mean, so it's like, don't say we're protecting democracy because mm -hmm. that's not that's not yeah. what's going on. I do, yes, Putin's bad. Putin's <laughs> I've bad. Always, bad. I've, I've always oh. said with war, it takes two bad people yeah. to go to war with each other. And the winner writes the history books. Well, I, I really, uh, you know, one, one of my favorite movies is uh, Rambo 3. You ever seen mm. this movie? Yeah, where he's fighting with Afghanistan against the USSR. Is that Rambo 3? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Where he's fighting, like, with the Mujahideen and the yeah. Taliban. With Osama bin Laden. And <laughs> Osama bin Laden's in the background. You know yeah. what I mean? This is Rambo. He's the all-American. He's the, he's the paradigmatic American warrior who has to go overseas to kick ass right he's like he's already kicked ass in america enough he has to go he has to go to afghanistan right take on the commies right and so uh i fast forward right and here we are now right like the the absolute sort of you know the tragedy of american involvement in the in afghanistan just a uh you know like a immeasurable tragedy the whole thing yeah. right and so now the, but now the, uh, the Taliban are, you know, they're, they're committing a genocide against the Harara people, you know, it, it's like, again, you know, like we shouldn't have been there. Right. Right. We shouldn't have been there. We shouldn't have stayed so long. We should have, we should have like, you know, pulled that tooth a long time ago. But um, but why didn't we like why didn't why didn't we allow someone more local to sort of help facilitate a you know a peaceful transition of power right why just leave a vacuum that like now now things are you know now things are probably worse than ever you know it's... like why couldn't we have trusted somebody else you know like in that was more regional to why couldn't we have partnered with somebody we, we you know it's 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 ineptitude. And it's it's a uh, I think history will judge harshly. Yeah. This episode, you know, an American failure. Like, well, I think almost everything America's ever done internationally has been a failure. Yeah. Almost everything. I'm sure there's some successes, but like you know, the Vietnam War, that's a very clear, uh, uh, obvious failure. And uh, I, I don't know the whole 
to me, the whole thing from the very beginning, well, I shouldn't say that. I was in high school, and in the beginning, I was like, bomb those fuckers. They attacked us, yada, yada, yada. Pretty early on, I remember seeing Osama bin Laden's quote from his tapes where he said, we need to draw them here so we can kill them because we'll never do anything substantial in America. We'll never be able to bring the war to them. We need them to come to us so we can kill them on our land. Yeah. Um, boy, he, he did what I mean, I don't obviously any troop loss is tragic, but I don't think he, you know, took out millions of Americans, obviously, over there. But nonetheless, we, we played right into his hand and the, the Taliban, presumably we took Osama out. Presumably, um, who knows? Um, I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's going to be quiet if he isn't taken out. <laughs> but the Taliban who was in charge, they're back in charge. We just had a slight break. Like, I, I think that's part of the other problem is, frankly, we associate our values and ethics and morals with people who have no interest in those. You know, it's like they don't have our values. They look. I'm not meaning to, and I'm not saying this against Islam or anything like that, because I know that it's just extreme sex and everything, sects, S-E-C-T-S. But, you know, they don't care, the Taliban, they don't respect women. They're not, they're subpar people in that culture. Like we, you know, that right there, they're not the same as us. Why are we trying to pretend that we can make them American? and again, I'm not saying Americans are perfect by any means, but I do think at large, we, you know, 70% of us probably have better morals than 97% of the globe uh, or something to that extent where we maybe 70% is overshooting, but 50 to 60% of us, I think, care more about other people, um, be it from a left wing or a right wing thing. I do think most people in America do care about others. They may want to control their actions or control what they can and cannot do, but I do think they're doing it because they think it's in the best interest of people. Whether or not it is is a different debate, but I do think most people in America do want what is best for most other human beings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think most of the rest of the world is necessarily, I'm sure maybe most of Europe is on the same page, but I don't think a lot of the rest of the world is. I don't think there's a lot of countries in Africa that give a shit about anyone else's well-being outside of their their family, their tribe, their people, um, their country, where, wherever you want to draw the lines. I think America is a more caring, you know, when it's brought to our attention. Uh, Americans are more generally caring. Uh, again, as much as I generally shit on American intelligence or lack thereof, I do not think most of it comes from a place of malice. I think most of it comes from uh, a, a heart of gold that maybe is just with a brain of not gold. <laughs> no, I, you, you think you, you bring up really, uh, I, I think, very interesting points. Uh, I'm not sure what position we could sort of say who has the better morality. You know what I mean? Like who, who is to say that our morality is better than theirs? Uh, you know, again, sure. again, like we could have like, we could certainly say like, well, you should treat women better. I think that's true. We should treat women better in America. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, but so we're all, you know, all full, fallen short of the glory, obviously. Right. Um, and so there is uh, like, how on earth do, you know, do we, um, uh, how do we, how, how do we, 
like work together? How can we possibly work together? And I think, you know, so something that, um, something that, uh, that I've heard before, um, that I think makes a lot of sense to me is, you know, is, is taking up the shared emancipatory struggle, right? The shared struggle for emancipation, like from freedom, from, from being enslaved. We were talking about slavery a little bit earlier. I would argue that slavery is a bigger problem today than ever. There are more slaves today than there ever has been, right? And like, so where are these slaves? Well, they're the ones who are making your, you know, your electronics. They're the ones mm -hmm. who are sewing your clothing, right? They're the ones who are like, you know, sort of like producing the materials that probably make your drugs and stuff, right? So these people are slaves, right? They're enslaved. They would love to be exploited under the capitalist system of exploitation and, you know, like, right. They would love that, but they're not invited, right? They're fine being enslaved because that is a big part of the engine that's generating so much, such incredible profits, right? Such incredible profit margins. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's like the morality of the master it's easy to say we've got it right because we have this, uh, you know, God has blessed us with all we have. So we must be in the right. I don't think, I don't think that necessarily, you know, follows if you follow me. Right. Yeah. Like we might very well be, you know, like completely convinced of our moral superiority and, and fall well short, be falling well short of what would be, you know, what would be considered ethical. Right, some sort of an ethical sort of approach, um, simply because because of tradition and simply because of ideology, we are unable and or unwilling to sort of like question our own presuppositions. Right, we have got our own emotions, and we think we got it. Um, and uh, so, the only thing we can do is put it to the test. Right, like you may, you know, you. We were talking in the beginning, we kind of started off our conversation talking about like principles and stuff and how you really have, everybody has to have them. You have them whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? There's some, there's, there are, there are, there are ideas that you've, that you have like internalized that make you who you are and how you think, but you can't just go by that. You've got to put it to the test. You have to like, you have to challenge your own notions. You got to see what's, see what's really happening. See how like, you know. I teach drawing, you know, I, I teach people how to draw. And a big part of that is like, get used to what your drawing looks like, right? Make a bunch of, you know, marks all over your paper so you can see what they look like rather than try to draw something specific right away and just say, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. Well, you don't know what you look like yet. You know what I mean? You've never even mm. given yourself any, you have never tried to take it a slightly more objective position about yourself. You know, not nothing personal here. I'm just saying, like, oh, no, no. <laughs> one does that. It's hard. It's hard for one to do that. It's hard for one to sort of take a step back and look at look at yourself and so you know, with with you know, with a modicum of objectivity that you could then perhaps uh, uh, get some growth out of it. Right? You could you could grow through understanding, through you know, through through knowing. Absolutely. So. No, but that's, well, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's, that's really well said. Thank you. Um, I'm I I did not realize how much time has passed since we've been talking. Uh, <laughs> so we will uh, we'll start to to uh, wrap this thing up, and uh, if 
if if you're so inclined, I, I'd love to have you back on at some point because I feel like we could talk for uh, for days at a time <laughs> because it's a it's a, I, we we joked before uh, we started recording. Uh, what are we going to talk about? It's like, yeah, we'll find something. It's like, boy, we, we barely scratched the surface. I feel, um, we're just getting started. Yeah. So I, I think this is, uh, this is, uh, been a lot of, uh, intelligent, uh, mind opening stuff on my end. Uh, hearing what you're saying, I'm saying not, <laughs> not, my, oh, not that my end of the conversation. Oh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate like you allowing me to, you know, to conversate with you and I just, like you are very like reasonable libertarian. <laughs> you're very, you're most, you're probably the most reasonable libertarian that I've ever met. You were like, you're a blast. And this was like, this was like super duper for me. So I just, thank you so much, Jeff. Like, awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, do you have any uh, plugs, any place people should go to uh, find you? I'll put everything in the show notes, but any, any social medias you want to plug or anything? Yeah, sure. So uh, I do a weekly podcast on uh reinventing the tattoo.com that's our network uh i have a show called drawing for tattooers and it's on uh mm. mondays at 9 a.m eastern standard time and uh call it drawing for tattooers but it's essentially a, a it's a fundamentals of drawing sort of a curriculum and so i do drawing exercises and i talk about like you know talk about a little bit of art theory and then a little bit of like how to draw stuff and then, you know, there's going to be a little bit of tattooing and stuff in there. So it, it says for tattooers in the name, so it's kind of geared for them, but it's really for anyone. If you're interested in drawing, I, I like to make it fun. And then also, um, you know, for people who are interested in tattooing, whether you're a collector, whether you are interested in learning how to tattoo, reinvent, Guy Atchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Network is like, it's got to be, it's the best place for this sort of knowledge, I think. So I, I, that's what I want to plug is, uh, reinventing the tattoo. Gotcha. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I'm still working on designing my second tattoo. I got my first one in, uh, 2008, 2007, maybe. It's time. Uh, Jeff, it's time. You gotta, you gotta get that, get the ball yeah. rolling. Yeah. I, I, I keep saying I'll get another one, but it's like, I, I gotta think of the, I gotta think of what I want. You'll know it. It's like being in love, right? Nobody can tell you. You're just gonna, you're just gonna know. But you know, it's like the pandemic is ending. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't tattooing. I was, I was actually, you know, I was actually teaching. Uh, you know, during the pandemic. We'll talk about that next time. But I just, you know, like the same thing that tattooers, tattoo shops, they went through such a tumultuous era during during the pandemic. Like very similar to uh, to other service industries, like you know, like restaurants and like um uh now there's much more like things are opening up so much more people can go out you can go get a tattoo again so i think you know if, if anybody's on the fence you were thinking about getting a tattoo and like then covid happened and you put it off now's the time get in there go see your favorite artist because they are they're waiting for you they're, they'd love to see you they'd love to yeah. see you back and they'd love to you know get your tattoo on so how, how much do you think um when I went and got my first tattoo, I pretty much was able to tell the guy, here's the things I like and here's what I want. Yeah. So, so, so I literally, I'm like, look, hey, back then I loved playing poker. So I'm like, I want a playing card. I want a turtle because turtle's been my favorite animal my whole life. 
I even have a turtle who sits here on my desk <laughs> at all times. Um, so, so I'm like, I want a turtle. I want the, the suit to be a fleur-de-lis for the Saints. Um, and I want in the middle, I want it to say J-Mac, which you can probably figure out where that came from. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much it. I'm like, so I got poker, turtles, the Saints, and my nickname all in it. I'm like, yeah. so that's basically a pretty simple, but it's got all the important things to me. Um, so, so I basically made it very easy for the artist to be like, all right, here it is. I drew it up in 30 minutes. Um, but now it's like, maybe I should just go and be like, all right, here's the things I love. You tell me what, what, how we can tie this together. So it's one tattoo instead of a bunch of scattered graffiti. on. <laughs> I think that that sort of discernment comes with experience and, and age, you know what I mean? What you're saying, right? Like, and so, um, you know, uh, that's what's beautiful about representation, right? You can have things that represent, like, of course, all of the object or all of the, you know, the individual sort of discrete things that you described of your tattoo being all together, they represent other stuff. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like that playing card is representational of gambling and playing cards and stuff, you know, and then the turtle, again, there's, there's probably, probably really deep, significant meanings for you that you may not even, you can't even maybe articulate all of them. We can't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As humans, we have things that are important to us and we just sort of know it. They're deeply, they're deeply held, you know, sorts of, of notions. And so, um, so yeah, I think you could, you could, uh, you could certainly like, you know, overly complicate a tattoo or overly complicate any sort of composition and make it like uh, unintelligible, so to speak. Right. But um, you like your tattoo? You yeah. the one that you got, then that's then it's perfect. Then it is absolutely perfect because that's the only thing that matters is if right. you the tattoo you're wearing is right for you. And even if somebody says that it's not, you should go tell them. You know, we got a uh, saying around the shop: GFY. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you don't like my tattoo? GFY. And so this is what we say, and that's what you should tell everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like. Oh, again, uh, like if you're in the process of designing one, you find a good person, you connect with them, like on a you know personal level, look at their work, fall in love with their work, and let them let them let them be your person. You know what I mean? They'll they'll come up with something. This was beautiful. Uh, this is a beautiful sort of experience that I would recommend to anyone if possible. Right? Like, you know, you're an artist. You know, or you're, you know, you're have a, you have a client, you're trying to do something for them. You draw the picture or you make the project or whatever it is you make, you know, whatever it is you do for your client. They take a look at it and they say, oh my God, this is exactly what we had in mind, right? This is this, you, you read my mind. Guess what? You didn't, you didn't read their mind. You, you couldn't know what's on there, right? You listened. You also, you, you, you put in effort and and, and, and you and you connected with somebody, right? You you like were able to sort of uh, you know to bring to life something that that didn't exist before, and is now is now like sort of become significant for somebody else. And so, I think that's the that's the that's why you get paid. That's the big bucks. If they say that why I get paid the big, that's the big bucks right there, right? It's not the actual cash dollars you get. It's the satisfaction of like bringing satisfaction to someone else 
you know, like you're improving their life, you know, right. You're, you're improving their, you're improving them somehow together in, in, in a, you know, uh, in a collaborative way. And this is like, that's what tattooing is. It's what, it's what, it's a, it's a discourse, just like we're doing. We're having a conversation. A tattoo is nothing but that. It's the same thing, right? And any sort of any sort of transaction, whether it's business or you know uh, or any other, um, is 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 an extension of our our language. It's how we communicate with each other. And again, we can't you can't we can't ever know what's in the other person's mind. Like I can't know what you're thinking right now. I can take a guess and then I'll, I'll hold that guess in my mind and it'll, you know, it'll make me neurotic about, you know, about it. But that's the whole point is that we, we have to trust each other. We have to continue to engage. And, um, I mean, I think there's, uh, we can't ever get out of our minds and into the other, but in that gap, you know, the failure of what we do is, is communication. Right. That's what we fill it with is how we communicate and how we, you know, all the different forms, whether it's talking, tattooing, playing sports, it's, it's a discourse, right? It's, it's yeah. absolutely, a, it's absolutely a, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation. And that's what we're, that's what, that's what, that's what humans do. So. Yeah. And the more open-minded you are, the better these conversations go <laughs> generally. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So. James, I, I have to show you this real quick and then I'll let you go. Because I, sure. you know, you know, one weird thing that's been bothering me the whole time is I said, this, this is toxic masculinity, but I said, my, I got a new outfit and I immediately, I'm like, that sounded so weird coming out of my, like, I, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't phase me, but, but I, but go but ahead, I want to see. Here, yeah. Here's why I referred to it as an outfit. Bro. Remember, I'm bro, that's, too, that's so hot, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. That's exactly. I, okay, so I'm uh, send me the link. I'm gonna I'm gonna have my own pair. We'll be uh, we'll be twinsies. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you'll you'll stand show. out a lot more in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not quite so tropical, you know. It's uh, yeah, it's but yeah, I'll be um, I'll be very yeah, be very fashionable amongst my people, my Illinois. So. Yeah, I love the matching outfits. It just makes getting dressed easier. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, no that, so that's definitely an Amazon buy. You know what I mean? That's what. Oh yeah, right? if, if twenty eight ninety nine. Come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, beat it. That's great. And that is that's an outfit too. Uh, also. Oh yeah, so yeah. That's that's totally, why I refer totally to it as it. such. <laughs> it's it's not a shirt and shorts. It is an outfit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a statement for sure. Yes. <laughs> Well, James, again, thank you so much. I had a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on and spending so much time with me. No, oh, it's been it's been my pleasure, and uh, so um, I'd love to do it again sometime. So, so for sure. So, well, you got my number. Give me a call. For All sure. Right? Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate Thanks, James. You. All right, that was it. That was the episode. Uh, hey, to see the uh, outfit that I was describing and showing to James, go on my Instagram. It's at St. J. Mac. Uh, it's from not too long ago. I rocked that at the beach. I love it. I love it. I'm going to have all matching outfits soon. That's going to be my thing. They're comfy. They look cool. They're bright. I'm always wearing black. These are cool. So. Yeah, go go to my Instagram. Also, follow me on Twitter if you're not. 
And uh, I mentioned before, subscribe to YouTube. My YouTube's taken off um, quite a bit over the last, I don't know, week or two or three. Uh, Drunk Jeff Eats. I had my my Arby's one. Got, uh, you know, good amount of hits for me. Uh, and the subscriptions are, are stumbling in. So don't be late to the party. Go over there and subscribe to that. And, uh, you know, I'm getting close to being able to make a little money on the YouTube. So watch a couple videos while you're there because I need a few hours as well as a few more subscribers to make that happen. Um, there's some good ones. I know uh, it's hard to reach their watch hours limit when most of your videos are around five minutes. But I got a couple of longer videos out there. My interview with Sam Talent, uh, Larry Sharp, who's uh, hopefully the future governor of New York. Um, I've got the Flat Earth one with David Weiss. That one's very long. And uh, Hajid, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Wajid Hassan uh, also has a, a lot of metaphysical stuff in that podcast. Um, uh, so I've got a, a few longer ones out there, but obviously most of the uh, the food videos are a little shorter. The last one I did was a Hardy's Primal Angus Thick Burger. I incorporated some of the Jurassic Park music in the background. So, uh, upping my game at all times. You know how I be. Um, <laughs> hey, check out James um, on the websites. James is a guy I'll, I'll have back on. He's got many more interesting things to talk about. Uh, but, you know, I kept him quite a bit of time. So, I figure we can save that for next time. So, uh, he'll be back. If you, if you have topics, of course, you want me to talk to him or anyone else about, you're always free to email me. You can do it through the website, jeffmacalino.com. You can contact me on the Facebook page, on the Twitters, on the Instagram. Uh, I don't know if you can send messages through TikTok, but I'm there. Uh, IMDb, you can rate the episodes. I got more 10-star rated episodes as a few more ratings uh, came in. So if you're new to the program and you're trying to get caught up, hop on IMDb, see what the other people like, and that might help you find a good episode to start with. Uh, that's it. Um, have an interesting week ahead of the podcast uh, next week, but we'll deal with that next week and I'll, I'll talk more. I think there's going to be two episodes coming out next week, probably both a little bit shorter than normal, um, but uh, they they thematically are similar. So I thought, you know, let's throw them back to back in the same week and, and see how that works. So uh, enjoy this. Uh, thank you again to James Wisdom for joining me. Thank you for listening. And uh, remember to go to Flaviar using that link below and uh, geology if you if you care about your skin and Flaviar if you care about your booze. Get sign up for one of those membership things. Just use my link, por favor. See, I speak Spanish, too. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. See you next week. Peace.